0: Good to see everybody here this morning. Uh, For those who may be joining for the first time, who weren't able to make it last week, this quarter for the auditorium, we are going to be covering a study of the life of David and looking at the man who had the heart to be king, the man who uh, was after God's own heart and trying to understand that heart that David had and to um, see what we can learn and apply to our own lives uh, from it. And so... um, In this quarter, we're going to be covering different aspects of David. And this morning, we're going to be looking at David as a soldier. And we're going to be looking at the courageous heart that he had. If you would, would you please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16 uh, for us to get started? And um, so, when we think of David and we think about courage, what would come to mind? Okay, the Goliath. I think it's a rather obvious one, so... But but are there other things we might think of? Say that again, Don. Okay, Bathsheba. Okay. Dealing Dealing with his sin and the consequences of it, yes. Anyone else? Goliath. Okay. So, um... Last week, when we were going over an overview of the class, and we touched on this subject briefly, I made mention that um, courage was an aspect that described David all throughout his life. We made a remark in, um, I believe it was 1 Chronicles 28. Near the end of his life, he was encouraging Solomon. Solomon would be reigning after David. And the words that he told Solomon were, be strong and of good courage. So we see David with courage at the end of his life. And uh, even during his life, we saw that. You think about when Saul was king and the persecution that David was under. And Saul was out to try to kill him on several occasions. And here he is wandering out there with his mighty men. Uh, You know, in that time period, there was a lot of courage that David displayed in there too. And his mighty men that he was surrounded with who were outcasts, some of them were also courageous. Uh, They were loyal, bonded by courage. But we see that this was something that David had as a youth uh, himself, right, from uh, the time when he was a shepherd. So I just want to touch base with chapter 16 first, and I want to take a look at verse 7. And this is the key verse I want us to be thinking about as we go through the rest of this lesson here. Samuel is there trying to anoint the new king of Israel and David's brother Eliab is there, Samuel's impressed with the live and his stature. He says, surely this must be the Lord's anointed. And then the Lord tells Samuel something different, but something important for us to keep in mind and important about David. Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Okay, so then turn to chapter 17. So chapter 17, one of the most famous chapters of the Old Testament, is the account of David and Goliath. And this is one of those stories that is probably the most familiar story uh, about David. It's something that we know of as little kids. We have little songs about this. It's a story that's out of the Bible that's had an impact on our culture even. You'll hear people make references to that if you watch the NCAA basketball tournament, year after year, you have some of these small men major teams. Every now and then, one of them will beat one of the great blue bloods of basketball. Well, they say, oh, David beat Goliath. There's an instance of that there, right? So, you have a, even people who do not know the Bible very well are familiar uh, with uh, this account. Um, so, it's a very famous battle. <laughs> really, it's one of the most famous battles uh, in all of history. Um, so, Going into this, David was a youth. Uh, he was probably older than we typically think of him as. That Hebrew word there for youth has some stretch to it as how old that he was. It seems to me from what I've read that most people think he was probably college age at this time. Uh, it seems to me at least he was old enough to have been given a wife because that was part of the reward for whoever slew Goliath. Um, so he's the youngest of eight sons, he was a keeper of his father's sheep, and we know that Samuel had anointed him king uh, already uh, by this time, so um, so it would be great to go to chapter 17 and just read it straight through, it's 58 verses, uh, so we don't have the time to go and do that uh, uh, this morning, but it would be a lot of fun, but uh, um, let's uh, take a look at this chapter and look at the different people that are involved in it and see uh, their perspective. So we start out uh, um, talking about uh, Goliath, and uh, we'll see that there. But I want to start with um, David's father, Jesse. Uh, we get introduced to uh, them in uh, chapter 12, and thir- uh, verse 12 and verse 13. Uh, so we see that Jesse's three older sons were at, in the army at that time. So they were over there at the scene of the battle. And uh, Jesse, uh, being the father that he was, uh, had concern for him. So uh, verse 17, Jesse said to David, Take for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. Carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. So we see the the care that Jesse had for his sons. He was interested in providing for them and uh, giving some food. Uh, to them in the army but he also wanted to know how they were doing he wanted David to bring back news of what was going on so uh, we see the concern that he had there and of course we see young David and uh one thing I want to remark about David that would be easy to overlook in this account is that Jesse of course tells him to go to his brothers and and to um, give these provisions and uh Verse 20, David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded them. So the one key thing we can see about David is David obeyed his father. He was obedient to what he said. His father said to do that, and he went and did that. And so um, as young people, that's a great example uh, for them as well. So, but uh, while he was over there, he uh, overhears Goliath. And, uh, of course, Goliath is challenging uh, the Israelites, and David hears this and he recognizes disgrace uh, that is being brought on Israel and being brought on God uh, from what Goliath is saying. So let's talk about Goliath for just a minute. So the chapter introduces him early in the, the first few verses here. So, uh, verse 4 a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spear weighed 600 shekels, and a shield-bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let them come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. So Goliath's height, I guess it depends on how you measure a cubit in there. It would have been between 8 and 10 feet tall. I've seen 9 feet, 9 inches, probably most commonly. So he was taller than anyone that I've ever seen, and you think if he raised his, his arms above his head, how imposing that he was. It seems to me not only was he a pretty tall guy, he had to be really strong too to handle the armor and the weapons that that he was. So I imagine he was probably a pretty thick guy uh, as well. He would have been really imposing to have to have seen and had to deal with. Um, I've seen some different measurements on uh, the, the armor that David had in I've seen one says armor probably weighed something like 160 pounds. I've seen some as high as 175. Um, the spearhead on the end of that spear, you know, it describes that it was like a weaver's beam. The spearhead weighed about 25 pounds. There, the end of it. I, I think of like having a stick and having a 25 pound dumbbell on the end of it, and what that would feel like uh, to be able to handle. So, I, um, this guy was a, definitely a man of war, as uh, opposed to, to David. Uh, David didn't use those kinds of weapons. David was an expert with a, a sling. Um, but slings could be useful. Uh, when it says David was good, I imagine he was probably very good uh, with that. We read about slings in another account in Judges chapter 20, verse 16. It's talking about the tribe of Benjamin, the Benjamites, and how they were experts with war. In chapter 20, verse t- 16, it describes them as being able to sling stones at a hare's and, uh and not miss. So, if you were expert on how to use a sling, you could be really accurate uh, with it, uh, and so forth. It was almost like a, uh, I guess, almost like having a gun, but it would take longer to reload. But if you were good at using it, you could be deadly accurate with it. Um, so, and it was something that would be good for David to have out in the field too, as he was tending his sheep and taking care of them. So, so David uh, he hears about the reward, and. Uh, and then we see Goliath. Uh, we learn he's from the race of Anak. He's from Gath. Gath is a Philistine city, one of its major cities. And he spoke of prowess. We've just read he goes out there before uh, any battle can take place, and he goes and he insults his enemies. Uh, in antiquity, that was a common practice of mid Eastern culture and warriors uh, to go out and, and do that before they went into battle. Uh, They've invaded Judah, and it seems to me that Goliath, he seems to be used to doing this, uh, confident in himself. He thought he was supreme. And uh, uh, we see later on when they send David to him, he took that as an insult. Uh, but uh, um, And this is something that goes on for 40 days, morning and evening. And the men are all afraid of Goliath uh, to try to, to fight them. But, and Goliath is relentless. It goes on day after day after day after day. And uh, everyone is too paralyzed by fear. And uh, that can describe our fears in our life, uh, in dealing with them. Sometimes our fears can be relentless on us as well, uh, day after day, and thinking about them. But David had a different attitude about that. So uh, I've been talking for a while, and I don't like hearing myself talk. So I'm going to pause. Does anyone want to throw in another comment or an observation so far? Don's shaking his head. (laughs) Okay, so uh, we'll go on then. Let's look at some more people involved in this. So not only do we have the Israelites there, we have David's brothers. And they, of course, are afraid of Goliath as well. The whole army is demoralized. Uh, They did not see this through the eyes of God. And specifically, we have Eliab himself. So So let's start with verse 26. David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall be done; it be done for the man who kills him. So Eliab overhears this, his brother. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? So um, a lie of objective to David being there, being the older brother, I can relate to that. I'm an older brother. He kind of had older brother syndrome, with uh, <laughs> the youngest one, uh, being there. But, uh, and remember... Eliab was the son of Jesse that when Samuel first saw him, thought, ah, oh, this is the Lord's anointing, right? But such was not the case. Lord said that he looks on the heart, and we see why uh, God re- rejected Eliab and turned to David here in this instance. So we have an, the older is downing the younger here, and he's mischaracterizing David and his intentions there. He's, he's judging him, and he's not judging him with good judgment. Uh, he accused David of abandoning his post. Uh, there. David was not wicked. Eli was wrong uh, in this case. So, But we don't see discouragement just with David's brothers as well, but I want to point out that that came from family uh, to him, but it also came from authority. And we have to take a look at King Saul as well uh, in this. So Saul was a tall individual. He was of good appearance as well. If he had been the man to lead Israel, the man after God's own heart, then he himself would have gone up and faced Goliath. But he didn't do that. He's enticing somebody, some man, to step forward with a sizable reward, uh, tax exemption, daughter's hand in marriage, great riches. Uh, but uh, David, but no one will come except David. And when he David comes, Saul doubts him. So So look at verse 31. When the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. So we see Saul doubting David here. David had had no experience with war, no battle experience, Goliath had had years of it, a successful experience. Um, Well, David's going to give him his resume uh, and uh, explain why he can do this. So David's looking back to the past. Verse 34, he says to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. A really tough dude here. Uh, your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. So God has been with him in these previous challenges that he has had to face. He is confident that God will deliver him from this challenge as well. Um, he calls Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine, this was kind of an insult. What he was pointing out was that, uh, of course, Goliath was defying the armies of the living God. Goliath himself was not under covenant uh, with God. So, um, and of course, we see Saul decides to, to go with this. He gives David his own armor, uh, but David is not experienced in using armor, and uh, so he, he's not accustomed to it, and so David is going to use weapons of his own choice. So... And so now let's get to uh, David as he meets Goliath and see what it was he was looking at. So we've got to read through this. Um, So uh, there are some events that are in the Bible when I run across them that I really would have liked to have been at, to have watched. Uh, This is one of those uh, right here. This would have been something to have seen. Uh, So he's got the sling, he's got the stone. So verse 41, once again the Philistine came and he began drawing near to David and the man who bore the shield went before him. When the Philistine looked about and he saw David, he disdained him for he was only a youth, ready and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Um, so we can see Goliath, of course he's giant, but he's trusting in himself. And it's making him arrogant and it's making him proud so he, insult, he finds, it, finds it insulting he says, "Am I a dog okay so so in our culture today we think of dogs as loyal they're cute they're pets you know that we have that's not the way that they viewed them in the Middle East they looked at them as trash animals and so uh, he's using this as a as an insult and then he curses David by his gods and then he tells David what he's going to do I'm going to uh, he's going to kill him of course he's going to give his Body over to the vultures and the, and the beasts to um, devour. So, uh, pretty tough language <laughs> to be met with. What would be your reaction to that? I've been standing there doing, saying with a guy who threatened to do that and looked like he could make good on his promise about that. I might have my knees knocking and be cowering in front of him. It's not what David does. He does something completely opposite to that. Uh, so here's David's reaction to this. Verse 45, David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I find that very interesting. So, so Goliath threatens to take his carcass and feed it to the animals, and David, you know, in his statement just ups the ante and saying, well, that's what's going to happen to the Philistine army um, there as well. So, and, you know, his prediction came true. Um, so we see David, and we see what he's saying here, and he sounds confident in what he's saying. Well, Goliath sounded confident too. and I kind of derided him for that. Well, what about David? What's the difference? God was with him, exactly right. So his confidence is in Jehovah, not in himself, which is what Goliath had there. Um, uh, Excellent, Jerry. Um, So that's where the credit and the glory goes to uh, with what he's facing. And not only that is he saying that, but based on David going through this trial and meeting Goliath and being successful to him, by doing so, people would also know of Jehovah. So there's kind of an, a, a, an a outreach to that as well uh, that's involved in it. So what was his attitude? Did he cower before him? Did he knock his knees together? Was he shaking and scared? No. I love this reaction of David. He ran towards him to face him. Um, and, a, uh, you know, this is this is a really good uh, story to, to study and to prepare teaching for because when you do, it encourages yourself. <laughs> a lot when you read it and you think about the trials we go through in life that we have to go through and the fears that we have to uh, face in our lives. Uh, David's attitude is a good attitude to have. It's not avoid them or try to get around them, but face them. In my experience, that has been the best thing to do uh, with those uh, fears and the uncertainties that we have. So David's prediction came true. He had no sword, yet he had a sling with five stones, and he killed and he struck Goliath with a single shot and downed him. And we see what happens with the Philistines as a result of that. They see their champion down dead from a, a young man, and uh, what do they do? They turn and flee. Why? Because they trusted in men, they trusted in Goliath. And when Goliath was out of commission, well, there went their confidence. Uh, The Philistines trusted the men. When they couldn't, they uh, came through the field. So uh, I'll pause right there. Anybody want to make any other observations uh, about the, the story? Yes, Jerry. That's an interesting thought. I hadn't read that, so I'll repeat that for those on livestream listening. So Jerry made a remark that some people believe that uh, Goliath may have pulled back his facial covering when he saw David to laugh at him uh, there, and that may have given David an advantage to, to, for that stone to strike him in the forehead uh, when he came to meet him. Very interesting. Anybody have any other observation? right then, I guess I must be covering it. Don't puff up my ego too much by not asking questions. I'm welcoming of anything. I want discussion. So we're going through this account, and I've I've kind of gone through the different individuals that were involved and what they saw and everything there. So now let's talk about lessons, practical, valuable lessons that we can uh, take into our own lives today. So I think number one in saying that is that God's people can be victorious even against great challenges. Seems overwhelming and impossible. But uh, as God's people, we can't see with carnal eyes. We have to see with spiritual eyes in that as well. Luke 18, verse 27, Jesus made the remark that uh, with God, all things are possible. And... As so I have lived in this world and have known people who have served God and the challenges they have faced, one thing that keeps coming back to me is that Christians are tough people. They're the toughest people that I know in in dealing with stuff and they, um, and uh, the trials and what they're willing to have to go through and how they depend on God and His strength to help us through those trials, whether it be something that happened to them, whether sickness, whether uh, a death of a loved one, whether just just any sort of thing, and and they can meet that not with their own strength but with God's strength, as well. So, one very important observation that I would make: so, when the men saw Goliath, and they were cowering in fear of him, why were they doing it? Because they were seeing Goliath. Their focus was on Goliath himself. So David has a completely different reaction meeting him. Why so? I would say because David's focus wasn't on Goliath. David's eyes were on God. He was on the way that they really were and that able to make allowed him to make a proper assessment and to be able to meet Goliath knowing that God was with him. And that is a valuable point for us as well as we go through things that we deal with in life that worry us or that cause us great pain, and we have to work through these things, and it's easy to put all of our focus on what we were going through, but in order to meet the challenges and to revive the strength that God would give us, we have to keep our eyes on God and draw close to Him and, and, and talk to Him and learn about Him, and it's through doing this and using the tools He has given us and u- doing that uh, then we can meet whatever challenges that we have to face. Glenn, yes. Right. Okay. Very, very good uh, point there. So th- Glenn was talking about the Philistines. Remember, they said that if their champion died, that they would serve uh, Israel and, uh, and the living God. And of course, they didn't follow through with that. Once Goliath was dead, they fled. And there's a lesson for us involved because often sometimes people will say things and then something different happens in life. And then they just uh, turn away from what they've said and, and change. And uh, that's not a good example for us from the Philistines. If we have said something, then let us follow through on it, uh, as God has said. Anyone else have an observation? Yes, Michael. Excuse me. Fred, excuse me. Yeah, I was going to make that point on a message here later, but uh, good for, for saying that. So I'm going to shorten what you said for those listening online on there. So Fred was making the uh, point that uh, it is important for us would have been true in the Old Testament and New Testament to remember what the Scriptures say and what they say about God and I guess his relationship to us as well. And uh, that was something that David did in this account. He, he knew who his God was, and, uh, and he didn't like hearing uh, what was said about God as well. So, you know, and that's true for us, serving under the New Testament. I, I find personally, uh, myself, that there are things in life that worry me, that give me trouble, and, and that'll go on for a while. And then I look at a passage like Philippians 4 and the instruction it gives there and what it says about prayer. And it's like, why wasn't my first reaction to go to God in prayer about this in the first place? That would have saved me a lot of worry uh, to have done that. Uh, so a, that's just one example. That can be uh, in other areas as well. So um, excellent comments being made there. So um, so another uh, some other observations to make on this account. So... We have Goliath, we have the Philistine, they're the enemies of Israel, they're the enemies of God. It is important for us to remember that God's people will always have enemies. Some are more powerful than others, but God will help us against them, and he will help us against our enemy, Satan, as well. So, keeping that in mind, we are not alone when we are in God's cause, and we're standing up for what is right, Correct? Because if he, as long as you have God on your side, God and one make a majority. Yes. Uh, let's please. Uh. Right. So David, when he replied to Goliath, there, I mean, he had confidence and knew that with certainty. David wasn't just trash talking to Goliath when he said it; he meant every word of it. Very good observation there. So, so we see David exemplifying that in our own lives. We need to make sure that when we say, you know, like. Uh, I believe in God and I trust him. That's just not mere words that we really mean that. And uh, we'll follow through with that. uh, And we know that God will. Um, So So God never failed David. He didn't fail him in this instant. David knew where his strength lied. And uh, very important for us to keep that in mind as well. We are not depending on ourselves to get through what we have to go through. We're depending on God and the strength that he provides to us. So um, another point that I want to make is that David had this right attitude, but he met opposition on this attitude as well, and from some people close to him. I remarked that about his family, his brother uh, was saying that, but even Saul, uh, the man that David would serve under, he doubted him as well, and uh, came from family and authority. Uh, But David was able to desist that because he knew that he had right and he had reason on his side. That is a lesson for us in the church to know that because we can be wanting to get involved in something uh, that would be beneficial to God, beneficial to his kingdom, uh, something that would be good to do, but you always got naysayers at the same time. Uh, So pessimistic attitudes, negative, can't-do-it people, even in the church that can be the case, that bring their excuses um, in the New Testament, Galatians six and verse nine, Paul remarks there that uh, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. David did not lose heart, and let us not lose with <clears throat> when he was um, facing opposition around him. Let us not be uh, let us not lose heart either uh, when we know that we are right and we are doing what God would have us to do next point of course like i said goliath was threatening david and he meant you know to, to to kill david there but threats of the enemy are nothing more than threats when god is on our side nothing is powerful enough to defeat us fred made mention of matthew 10 28 there we're not to fear those that can kill the body but fear those who kill us spiritually uh, but uh, you think about David and the attitude that he had in the New Testament. It makes me think of Romans 8, especially in the latter part of that chapter. Um, as Christians, the battles that we face in our lives, spiritual battles. Um, verse 31, here's an attitude that Paul remarks that we should have. It's the attitude David had. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 35, "'Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, "'For your sake we are killed all day long. "'We are counted as sheep for the slaughter.'" Yet in these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul is listing all these items over here. And what's he saying? That nothing can separate us. from God. anything that you can think of. Uh, so a... Um, with all the things that he has listed there, so that should give us confidence in to having to face the trials, knowing that that God is with us and uh, we can um, take them on with He on our side. So, any other comments? Yes, Bill. Right. So it's not on. Yeah. So the the attention David wasn't putting it on himself; he was putting it on God, and he wanted other people to know God and to come to God, and that was part of what he was doing. In this as well. That's another good observation about us having to face trials uh, that we have to go through. Um, by meeting them and going through them, we keep in mind that if we do that in a proper way, if we do that relying on God, then that's going to be to God's glory as well. You know, no matter having to go through a sickness, having to go through something that somebody did to me, you know, or even if it was something that was our own fault, some sin that we're having to, to deal with in our lives by overcoming it and by relying on God and focusing on a relationship with Him and doing what's right, even that can help bring glory to God as well. Uh, Don, you were going to say something? I'm looking at verse 50 okay. Okay. So, well, we'll come back to you, Don, then. All right. Um, next point. Uh, we see that that Saul... Agreed uh, for David to fight Goliath. First thing he did was he had David try on his armor. That seemed like the logical thing to do uh, for Saul, but uh, that wasn't going to be good for David. David was not skilled in that armor. So, um, the lesson for us as Christians is do not try to put on someone else's armor. Use the equipments and skills you have and are good. All of us have different talents, all of us have different potentialities that, that we can use, and let us strive to use those things. Those gifts that God has given us. The armor would not work for David. He was expert with a sling and he would uh, use it. We do not need to be something that we are not. And everybody can do something. Another thing that David did, and you see this with his discussion with Saul, when Saul's doubting and he's questioning David, how can you go and fight Goliath? Well, David's looking back at his own past experiences, right? This, this guy, as a young man tending sheep, killed a bear and killed a lion. Like, oh man. You know, just knowing some things, it, it, in some ways it makes me think. You know, Alabama football had their great coach, Paul Bear Bryan, there for many years. He was very successful and he was described as a tough guy. I have read that he got, he grew up in Arkansas in the poor areas. I've read that he got that nickname Bear because I guess there was a circus or something coming through town back in the Great Depression when he was a teenager. And that he went and, I guess, wrestled the bear or, or something. But anyway, that's where that name actually came from. I was like, "Whoa, those uh, those guys in the Depression had to be really tough. I think it was for a dollar I think even uh, for that. But uh, but David here is confronting a, a bear and he's killing it. You know, in a line as well, grabbing it by by its mane and he was courageous. I also believe that that reflects his caring attitude that he had towards his sheep. If you read carefully what he's saying there, that he would do that and deliver the lamb out of the mouth um, of the beast that he was facing. He was able to have that courage. Of course, he relied on God, but also because he cared for those sheep that he was over as well. Uh, in that, so um, David knew the power of his father, uh, and uh, you know, I made a remark that uh, we need to be using our talents for God, and we need to be doing that as well because doing so will help build us up uh, to face the challenges that we have to face. You're not going to be able to meet the trials that come if you haven't been using your, your talents and your abilities for God uh, already. So that's, that can help us in preparation to face the big obstacles that we have to come across in life. So, uh, so draw from past experiences. Uh, like David did uh, for encouragement. That can even, you know, drawing from bad decisions that we made uh, in life, learning from them and applying opposite of what they are. So it may be as a young Christian that you might not have a lot of past experiences to draw from. You can draw from the past experiences of others. You think of the the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 11 in that great chapter on faith and and he steps through all the the story the uh people of the old testament that displayed great faith and was using all of them as an example for us to follow. Uh so we can do that as well, drawing on our own experiences and experiences of others. Next point. Victory may come from a most unlikely source. And David was not a, shol- a soldier but he was a man of faith. And uh he was confident, he was ready, he was willing, and he was able. He fought for a cause, and he knew who it was and whom he believed uh, to do that. So uh, um, I also want to say he did this as a youth as well. So there's importance for there that uh, this is not something that's just age-specific. Uh, this is for everybody. Even young people uh, can live for God and face challenges and overcome and do what is right. So next point, one of the things that he replied back to Eliab, When Eliab was questioning why he was there, David said, is there not a cause? That's something important to keep in mind, important for us to keep in mind. David knew his cause, and he took action on it. He saw Goliath the Philistines and the insults that Goliath was hurling at the Israelites. All right, He was, uh, the name, the reputation, the honor of Almighty God was being tarnished. And you saw how David reacted to it. Let me ask you a question. If we heard that, how would we react? We live in a culture, I guess the world's always been this way to an extent, but we live in a culture that's seemingly getting more and more against the ways of God. And people can say things that are very insulting to God. Uh, how does that make you feel? Do you just turn away or does that make you, you angry inside yourself? I, and I'm saying we, of course, want to approach people in a loving manner, of course. But do you, do you stand up for God? Do, do you hate hearing him put down? Uh, the way that some people do, the way that some uh, atheists will talk about God or, or other folks. So, so how do you react to that? So it's important for us as Christians to know that we have a cause, and we need to stand up for it uh, there. So we have a cause to spread the gospel uh, to, to those in our community, those around us. We have a cause to stand against evil and the false doctrines of men. We have a cause to live a righteous, holy, and godly life in a sinful world. Let us have the courage and bravery to do so as well. Uh, next point, the Lord saves not with a sword. Uh, with the victory is the Lord's. Uh, with that, we can be uh, victorious. And we know from the New Testament, we've seen what the end is. The Lord will triumph over Satan. Our fight is spiritual. Our citizenship is in heaven, and our, the kingdom is not of this world. Let us keep in mind that what David was able to apply in the physical battle that he faced physical enemy that he faced, we can apply that spiritually uh, in our lives as well. So, And last point that I want to get to, and it's what Bill was saying in his comment earlier. By the victory, and this is still true really to an extent today, by this victory that David achieved with God on his side, the world knew that there was a God in Israel and that the Lord saves not with the sword and spear. Once Goliath was slain, the enemy fled. from that. So we need to take that into account in our lives as well. So we are in a spiritual warfare against Satan and against his forces. So we have the armor of God. We rely on God. We fight against him. And we keep doing that. And, uh, and there will be times that we keep doing that. The enemy will flee. Of course, we'll always be tempted in, in various sorts. But you think about, like, Matthew 4, the temptation of Christ. We read an account there where Satan is directly... And attempting Jesus three times. And after the third time, he, he left, and, uh, and, and Jesus was attended to on there. He would be back, of course, but uh, yeah. he left Jesus after Jesus had rebuffed him three times there. Uh, going to James chapter 4 and verse 7 and talking about Christians and the lives that we lead, um, if I could ever get to there. Uh, says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and what will happen? And he will flee from you. Okay, First Peter five and verse eight, um, which is a passage I really love uh, from Peter. I'll start in verse six. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So the devil will flee from us when we resist him. The world will know by us facing our trials and overcoming them that there is a God that we serve. We are earthen vessels, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. We are red of all men, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2. We are at war. Christ is our commander, Satan is the enemy. Let us have complete faith, trust, and confidence in our creator. Romans 8, verse 37, we are more than conquerors. So, any other comment anyone wants to say before we dismiss? Fred? Okay, Romans 8, 28, great passage for us to keep in mind. God causes all things to work together for good. Anyone else? All right, then you're dismissed for lunch. We'll see you next week. (laughs)